Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Thanks for listening to Creative Control. Uh, while I have you here, please consider supporting Youth Empowerment and Support Services, otherwise known as YES. Based in Edmonton, Alberta, YES provides immediate and low-barrier overnight and day shelter, temporary supportive housing, and individualized wraparound supports for young people aged 15 to 24. They work collaboratively within a network of care focused on the prevention of youth homelessness by providing youth with the necessary supports to stabilize their housing, improve their well-being, build life skills, connect with community, and avoid re-entry into homelessness. Learn more about how to donate or otherwise support YES by visiting YESS.org. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support Creative Control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Joe Casey's a wondrous lyricist and lead singer based near his hometown of Detroit, Michigan. Over the past decade and change, Casey has fronted Proto-Martyr, one of this century's most significant underground rock bands, which also features guitarist Greg Ahee, drummer Alex Leonard, and bassist Scott Davidson. Proto-Martyr's astounding sixth album is called Formal Growth in the Desert and was released by Domino Records on June 2nd, 2023. As such, Joe returned to this show for good talk about things like moving out of his childhood home and the death of his mother, knowing more about one's family history, how the pandemic prompted questions about a band's viability, but also inspired new ideas for Proto-Martyr, systemic societal issues and how having his home repeatedly burglarized inspired Joe 
to write some new songs. Disinformation and misinformation. The Detroit Tigers, funny lyrics and dark packages. How the Wu-Tang Clan influenced Joe's penchant for enigmatic songwriting. Where some of the sounds and songs on formal growth in the desert may have come from. Touring, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this donor-driven podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of revenue for all the work that goes into this podcast every week. Thank you to all of you who support the show in this way. And if you can, please consider doing so at patreon.com slash creative control. With additional support from Blackbird Musical Well-Stocked, record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta. The very friendly employees who will happily help you source special orders. Hey, say you want to get uh, every album by Proto Martyr. Hey, go to blackbird.ca, type in the names of the albums or the band or whatever. I don't know, type. You know how to type things. And then uh, it'll tell you what's available and it'll either tell you you got to come to, well, you got to take a flight all the way to Alberta to pick it up at the store. Or if you live in Edmonton and Calgary, you can just come in and get it. Or they might be able to ship you your Proto Martyr records. It's just that easy. Go to blackbird.ca and support our local record stores. Thank you very much. Plus, in kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 778 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Joe Casey of Proto Martyr, one of my favorite guests on the show, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Joe. How's it going? It's going. I'm here. It's great to have you here, and I'm glad you're here. Uh, where in the world is here, exactly? Uh, in Detroit, currently. Actually, just outside of it, in a little suburb called Farmington, and that's where I'm at. How long have you been in Farmington again? Because I, I gather from some of the info I got about this new record uh, that maybe there was some relocation or something. Is that right? Yeah, Uh we moved here in December of uh, last year, so hmm. fairly new. And moved from a pretty, you know, a place you'd been a long time. Is that right? Yeah, my uh, my childhood home. I've lived there my whole life, except for when I went to college. And uh, yeah, moved out, moved out of there in the summer, and then lived in an apartment in Detroit for a while till I was able to move into this house, which used to be my brother's house. Oh, so. Mm-hmm. Is it a prerequisite for you to only live in houses that have housed family well, members? With the amount of money I make being in the celebrated international band Protomartyr, <laughs> yes, I have to move into a house that was formerly owned by one of my family members. I see. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, I want to uh, offer my condolences. Uh, you and I have talked about your mother on this show uh, before, and I understand uh, she's she's passed away. So I just want to express my uh, sorrow for you. How are you holding up? Well, thank you. Uh, pretty good. I mean, this was much different than uh, my dad dying, which was very sudden. Uh, Mom had Alzheimer's for over a decade, and it was a slow process. And so when she did pass away, she 
uh, passed away in this house with my brother and it was very peaceful. And, you know, she had many days before that that weren't peaceful. She was in a lot of pain and confusion and her body was shutting down. So the fact that she went so peacefully was a blessing. And what was very odd was uh, her younger brother died the day before. So there was two deaths back to back. And then uh, just about a month ago, her older brother died. And so now all three of them have uh, left us in the span of two years. So, you know, it's just, they're the age, you know, it's the, they they just start going. Well, that's, that's extremely sad. I'm, I'm so sorry. That's, uh, I can't even imagine that. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. Do you think that's, sorry, I don't mean to get into this, but is that a, you think it's age? Is it a coincidence? Is that, do they share similar issues or something? No, because my mom pretty much died from complications of Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. You know, eventually kind of, I, I mean, I believe it was probably a heart attack or something. My uncle Dan had cancer for many years and he was kind of, I don't think he died of cancer necessarily, but I think his, mm-hmm. after years of fighting it, his body just kind of gave out. And my oldest uncle Tom, uh, I think he just, I think he had like organ failure basically for being, he was in his nineties when he died. So being the oldest, but yeah, it's just um, when they get up there, it's always something. Yeah. Well, again, uh, I'm, I'm so sorry. And um, I, I don't mean to pry too, too, too much, but I do think you have in your history and on this record uh, as a, as a songwriter, you, I do think it's fair to say you reflect upon your family, uh, reflect mm-hmm. upon the life you lead and maybe why you've, arrived at where you've arrived and for most right. of us that's yeah. that stems from how we were brought up so to speak um this is a weird one and i i don't know how i'm not hmm, i feel fortunate i haven't gone through this yet but uh i imagine mm-hmm. as a child uh to lose your parents you be on the loss in the morning you feel is there a feeling of feeling like kind of unmoored or something like i don't know how to ex- yeah. do you know what i'm getting at yeah, I mean, it's it sounds kind of trite, but you're like, well, I'm an orphan, and any connection you had from your birth is kind of completely gone. There's always, uh, and it still comes up to this day, even though like my mom had been hard to communicate with for like the last eight years. There's a treasure trove of knowledge that goes with them of like, your family history, or like, and you're like, oh, I could just ask dad, dad, or I could just ask mom, and then you realize that's completely cut off. And so that's kind of like the biggest thing is it's just like, luckily I've got two brothers, but you know, you have to kind of work on like, Oh, I guess we're still a family. We still hang out. You know, like it's because the parents kind of keep the family together when they're gone. You actually have to make the effort to show up for events and things, you know, like uh, it just becomes different. You know, it seems like the, the final thing to become an adult is that happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, Sorry, I keep having I have this project in the back of my mind that I want to interview my parents and yeah. ask them about their history because they come from India in a way just heard dribs and drabs, bits and bites if you will of like what it was like, right. where do they come from? What were their what do they know about their relatives and I keep meaning to do it and this is another stark reminder that I need to do that. So right. anyway, sorry, I'm just trying to relate to something I haven't 
uh, I can't relate to yet, and I don't want to have to relate to. I guess no, yeah. So sorry, and you and you ne- and you never want to do that kind of thing too early because your parents are like, I'm still here. What are you doing? Like that seems like a because uh, I always thought about doing something like that, and you know, my parents were too active up to the point until they weren't, where it's like, oh, some other time, you know. It's always they don't, you know, people don't want to think about dying, so it's always. It's got to be presented more like, yeah, your your family history. Like, yeah, I wish I I have a vague story of how my parents met, and then you know I will probably lose details over time, and you know. But I think I guess this is part of life is that these stories kind of slowly fade into the ether, you know. Yeah, so that's what you, you have the vague history, and that's I guess I wonder one of the reasons I haven't done it for myself and maybe one of the reasons you hadn't I hadn't thought of that necessarily the discomfort of someone being like oh yeah you think I'm done that's why you're asking me all these questions yeah, yeah. but I never I never even thought of it that way for me I sometimes wrestle with like what am I trying to learn what will I right. uh, you know what do, what do we gain from learning about different generations of our family history exactly I mean for some people there's all sorts of things now too there's an emphasis on there's TV yeah. shows about ancestry, whatever that, but like, right. what do we gain from that? What do we gain from learning? Maybe if you're an American that your great, great, great uncle, uh, fought for the union or the Confederacy, like what? Oh no. Right. Like, yeah, some of it's not going to be fun, but have you thought about like, what do I, what would I gain by delving into my family history? What would it actually tell me about who I am now? Like I say, I think you've done some of this in your work for sure. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about it, but. Do you yeah. feel like there's a lot to gain from these kinds of conversations? I mean, sometimes it can be interesting. I know my parents told me that there was that because they were telling their vague stories. That they remember like their grandparents telling them. And there was always the one relative that fell off a boat. And so that seems to be like a euphemism for probably jumped off a boat, maybe. Hmm. And then there was the one uh, great uncle or something that was kicked by a horse. And I think that was like an old euphemism for maybe not being mentally all there. Uh, you know, like, oh, he, he got kicked by a horse, you know? So right. that kind of stuff is fascinating, but yeah, I don't think you're going to learn any secret code or anything to like why you are the way you are because your great grandparents ate potatoes or something, you know? Like, yeah, there's no, Necessary corollary, but I f- yeah. hope I don't sound ahistorical in a very ahistorical time. Like that's that sort of stuff is permeating the culture of like, why do we right. have to think about yeah. the? Let's just right. perform this wide cultural erasure so that we ignore yeah. all of the problems, systemic problems, like you know where they came from. I hope I don't sound like that. <laughs> no, but I think there there is a rise of you know a certain type of uh, right wing people that are kind of leaning into eugenics and stuff and yeah. trying to, you know, and so vaguely sometimes looking into your past can sometimes feel like, you know, I got to make sure the bloodline is pure or something. There's like that sort of aspect of it. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I find it fascinating, but I don't think you're going to necessarily uh, learn anything too important. Yeah. Could be, could be the case. I, I still want to, again, stories like yours and, and, and losing people. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's very natural for, uh, someone like in my position to be like, fuck, I better do something yeah, about no, this definitely. before I can't. So in any case, yeah, I, I appreciate, I appreciate your candor. Yeah. I'm supposed to head back to Ontario this summer. So maybe I'll bring some gear with me and, and try to finally do it. So that's yeah. captured well. And I'll, you know, you know what an audio file nerd I am. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're probably used to this. Like, oh, here we go. Here we There's go. the microphones. <laughs> now, uh, yeah. I want to commend you on this uh, brilliant new record. Uh, it's nice to hear from Proto Martyr again uh, because it's been such a weird time. And I've been waiting for more and more people to be like, I think we're done. Actually, uh, how close? I, I I only asked this not to be uh, uh, untoward or uh, make things uncomfortable, but I feel like that conversation uh, during this pandemic period did occur within the band. Yeah. Is that correct? Like, is it is it viable and meaningful for us to keep doing this? Did you guys have that chat? Yeah, I mean, I did a couple interviews around the time. I might have even talked to you when we were trying to push the. Last record, Ultimate Success Today, which was about dying in sickness yeah. at the height of the pandemic. And yeah, it was just, and I was surprised, like I did these interviews and then people were acting like, oh, Protomar is breaking up. And I had to think like, well, I would think that every band would have to have this conversation because no one had any idea when you could tour again or what the world was going to look like at the other end of this. And so it seemed like just a realistic uh, opinion to be like, well, this might be the end of it. So like just from a financial part like that, you know, the money dried up and it was like, well, we, this probably is not working. And more importantly, I don't know about you, but like it hit the, we as a band were pretty depressed for that first Mm -hmm. year where we just, we didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. We we knew friends bands that would be like, Oh, we're going to do like a zoom concert or we're going to, zoom and work on albums and you know i'm going to do a side project or we didn't do any of that we we had no desire yes i mean it was actually it's kind of morbid but i was actually happy that we were all kind of equally depressed there wasn't one of us that was like oh that's you know we were all kind of going through our own thing separately but it was good to not feel like uh I was the one that was holding them back or something. We were all, Greg didn't pick up a guitar. Our guitar player didn't pick up a guitar for a year. Yeah. It just, there was no inspiration from that period at all. So yeah, it was pretty dire. And then it was trying to figure out whether or not it was worth to keep doing this. And it kind of slowly came about over like a little bit of period of time where, you know, let's just try to work on one song and not worry about trying to work on an album. Let's not do a big tour. Yeah. You know, let's, do a small tour and you know certain things happened that kind of helped us get out of it but it was not guaranteed at all well during a very confusing and fractured time i assume the reason you bring up the fact that everyone was everyone was depressed is at least you were galvanized <laughs> around yes. around like we're not going to do things that we think are corny or cheesy or don't feel like our band right and i think that yes. can create divisions well look hey like some, i'm sure there are bands you're like well look everyone else is doing some semblance of this. Yeah. Can we do something that fits within our aesthetic? But it sounds to me like I, I get it. You're not happy. You were all depressed. You were all. You, but we're all. You're all on the same, on the page. same yeah. page. Perversely and self consciously, I could not keep up with the demand to do interviews with because people were home, right? And and they'd had yeah. all this stuff they were hoping would come out, and it, then some of it did. Some of it was delayed, and I couldn't. And it was the only way to. I, yeah. I, I've been doing remote. You know, Joe, you and I've. I don't think we've ever done an in-person interview. Have we? I don't think so. No. We've met. Uh, I think I, I met you once in Toronto. Yeah. We met in yeah. Toronto and Guelph, I believe. In Guelph, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah where I well. used to yeah, live. Twice. Yeah, yeah, we met twice. a couple times yeah. in person, but uh, no, and I mean... Yeah, never with a microphone, never like <laughs> asking some questions. No, no, yeah, but it's yeah. been this because this is all I've been doing living in Canada for right. a long time. So for me, I was like, I guess I'll just keep doing this. And I was a marveling, 
marveling at how much stuff was coming out. Uh, pe- people yes. trying to make up the loss from, you know, road work and all that stuff. So I just wanted you ask. So I, I, I was depressed. I am still yeah. confused as to what we're all doing. Yeah. And, uh, but I do feel a little like self-conscious because I think in a way people like me sort of flourished because we were online workers, if you will. I don't know how else to put that. But anyway, I, right. you know what I'm saying? Yes. Cause uh, you, you were, you already had the microphone <laughs> and the headphones <laughs> and the, and the uh, camera. Yeah. Just doing the, I, I, doing these zooms today, I'm like, this gives me the, the creeps because it reminds me of that period where yeah. like I had to you know, zoom and zoom. And so this album is about death and dying. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> please, pl- please buy this record while this is going on. So, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it, it was different for everybody, but I feel like, you know, if anything, hopefully we can be the uh, representatives of the side that did not learn a new language and did not uh, learn how to bake bread and did, yeah. <laughs> did nothing to improve themselves. <laughs> Because that was definitely us. You know, well, we just but I think for those of us who follow the band, we hear uh, invention and experimentation, for lack of a better word, maybe on this new record. Would you, I, 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 this not suggest you, you know, sat on your laurels or whatever the expression is. It did seem like something shifted within the band aesthetically. Is that a fair assessment based on this record? Yeah. Kind of what happened was, Greg and I talked about a year into it. And then one thing he brought up, which I thought was very interesting. He's like, you know, going through this, people are like constantly reminding you, like, you know, you're as long as you get through a day, like you've accomplished something. Cause you know, like, don't, don't think you have to go out and learn five languages. Like the fact and he's like, I think that's starting to be like a bad, a bad thing to strive for. <laughs> if you're just like, well, I survived another day. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's, it becomes almost too easy. And so he, to kind of get himself out of the rut, was starting, like, he was asked to do uh, the soundtrack to a few short films. And so I think he was like, well, this is good because this is not proto-martyr and this is, I can kind of work the muscle again. And then we were going to do these little tours and uh, Kelly Deal was still up to doing them and she was going to do, like, all of 2020 with us. And so she's like, I'll, I'll still do them. Yeah, And so that we're like, well, if we're going to go on these little tours, we should probably like write one or two songs just to have something new to offer these people. And so that was kind of the impetus to slowly start working again. And Greg always has always an odd notion at the beginning. It ends up being very clever. Uh, Ultimate success today. He's like, I think I want to add more jazz influences. And you're thinking, oh, that's going to be that's going to be awful. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be our shitty jazz record. We don't know jazz. And then it ends up it ends up working out. And then you're like, okay. And so this one, he's like, I've been listening to a lot of Ennio Morricone, and uh, I think I want to bring that influence in. And I'm like, oh no, like, am I going to have to like sing along to sounds of whips and, and harmonicas? And uh, is this going to be like Proto Martyr's country western album? And then that's not how it ended up at all either, because like he really he just kind of became obsessed with the pedal steel and like how to use it in a way that would be not country-ish or not like the typical way. And, and I think he achieved it. So yeah, we're always, because we had the past was burnt to the ground. We were able to uh, start fresh and, you know, it sounds corny, but it was like the second chapter sort of thing where we, 
the most interesting thing is that I think we were probably burnt out from touring so much before COVID. And if a good thing happened was that it was taken away from us. So we were able to enjoy it more and, yeah. and enjoy. It could have been taken away and then we were able to do it again. We, we appreciated what we had. So I think that was a benefit too. So I, I don't mean to be trite either, but this is the equivalent of you learning languages and learning how to bake bread is uh, taking the time, <laughs> taking well, the, taking the time to, all I'm getting at, I was joking, but my point yeah. is, I think sort of uh, expanding one's horizons is maybe what we're getting to, that people had the time and in some cases the inclination to be like, A, what the hell is the point of anything? And B, why don't I try something different? Why don't I try, this is a reset. Like for a brief period of time, I thought we were all positively going to reset things that we had been doing. And to be honest, now there's the friction of like, why are people still working from home? Why are people still wearing masks? Like we've got that going on right now. But at the same yeah. time, there was this consciousness of like, we could do things a bit better than we've been doing them and everyone would benefit. You know what I mean? I Boy, I, I miss that sentiment because we've gone back on the road and it's like, I do remember like, Boy, when touring comes back, we got to make it, you know, more equitable and, and better. And I've seen nothing but it being maybe worse. <laughs> like it almost came back, you know, worse than before because in in the time during quarantine, a lot of like smaller venues closed. A lot of uh, the big uh, corporations conglomerated and bought up a lot of things, and uh, the bigger touring companies kind of, you know, the ticket prices went up get you know everything's up uh yeah yeah uh, so you know i it was a very nice sentiment that we we're going to do things differently i mean that's kind of what the first half of the album is about a lot is we all collectively decided like well that happened let's just put blinders on and it, forget it ever happened and then we got to go to work you got to go back to work you know and some of that is you know the inherent uh human drive to continue and to to strive until the last breath. But then some of it seemed like, Oh, just forget about all those people that died and how poorly we handled this. It's, you know, we'll never let that happen again. And of course that there, it's going to happen again and it's going to be just as bad because we, I feel like we didn't quite learn all the lessons that we probably should have. Is it too yeah. simplistic to ascribe most of this selfishness and I don't know, I will say irrational behavior. Cause I will, by the yeah. way, I agree and I, I get what you're picking up on. Like when I say, when I mention that sentiment, I'm not saying it's here now. I'm saying, right. I'm saying it was for a brief, brief, brief window. It felt like, well, no one knows what to do. So maybe we'll just yeah. start to ponder how we can live. But it only was weeks maybe of that. And then quickly, like, yeah. how do we get things back to normal? What I was coming from though, there is, uh, do you think it's too simplistic to simply ascribe this to capitalism or is there something else? the selfishness inherent in that? Like, cause if I think about what is going on, that's the only thing I can think of really is that it's about money. And I know that's, yeah. again, it sounds very simplistic, but I can't see any other reason for what is happening of like, get the, you're not going to restaurants anymore. So we got to get that going. Cause there's taxes, you know what I'm getting at there? Like, do you think it's, yeah. am I wrong? No, because I mean, I feel like you could probably even in a broader term, just be like, well, it's the human desire for self-preservation and you know self-regard and what is the systematic expression of that and that's probably capitalism where you know you, you try to you need to capitalize on everything and yeah. uh so 
yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely an odd time where, you know, when do you stop wearing a mask and when do you stop, you know, and it's easy for me as a, you know, over the hill fellow to like, think like, Oh, it's slow down. But if I was in high school during that period of COVID, I would be very upset that like the most important years of my life was taken away from me. Yeah. And I need to, you know, so I don't think it's completely a terrible thing to selfishly want to move on from that period Yeah, because, you know, you got to live life. And especially if, you know, you're in the prime of life, you don't want to have like th- these moments taken away from you. So I don't know know either. And I, I, for me, I'm just like science trumps. I didn't mean to say that word. Science uh, (laughs) should, should, (laughs) well, that should be what we're following more than like, I agree. Like I can't, I've said this before my fire. I'm an act. I was an active show goer. I would go to shows. Mm -hmm. I mean, I moved to a different city and then the pandemic happened. So I'm still figuring things out on some level, but I've been to a few things, but my fire for certain things is just gone. Like, I, I don't know what to, oh, yes. I don't know how to explain it. Like, I don't feel like going to the movies or, and, and I don't know what yeah. that says about, I mean, I'm, I've, you know, people hearing my show know I've talked about this. So I'm, I don't mind saying I'm struggling uh, with that stuff, but I also, I'm like, am I struggling or am I just sort of paying attention to things? Uh, right. and, and you feel crazy when no one else is on some level. So again, I just feel like the push for normalcy when things aren't normal, is maybe where you're also coming from by saying when I go out on the road, it's worse. The material conditions are somehow, some way, even worse than they were right. before. What could be right. driving that? And so when I ask about one ism <laughs> yeah. to point to, well, is there anything else you can expand upon in terms of that? Well, I mean, it seems like when I'm trying to write lyrics for songs, I would love to be able to write about fantastical things that have no bearing in reality but it's easier to write about what has happened to you and each album is just like Mm. here's the year period before we went in to record and it just seemed like coming out of that and then having capitalism kind of twist the screws uh, especially seeing a lot of like uh, right now a lot of unions getting ground down or to try to not allow strikes to happen, you know, uh, in America, I thought it was very funny that, uh, Joe Biden, who is Mr. Train, he loves trains so Mm -hmm. much, made it illegal for the, uh, the train union to go on strike, which is, it seems against both his love of trains and his, uh, democratic principles. So all these things are happening. And then you have to, you're trying to get through your day to day. And this kind of, it seeps in, in, in different ways. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just by just by touring, you see it. So, so you you earlier you sort of suggested that the first side of this record uh, reflected different aspects. I think of what we've all been going through, pandemic wise, and what you're just describing, kind of socio politically. Uh, I gather mm-hmm. the second side has more to do with uh, personal feelings of loss and mourning. Is that a fair assessment? No, the kind of it's both the personal and the political are weaved. Yeah, I, I sound so they're weaved in <laughs> in a beautiful tapestry. Uh, I feel like in the grand arc of the album, it moves from the desolation of the COVID years and the loss and this the feeling of this other uselessness. And then trying to dig yourself out of it and having these different things kind of get in your way. 
you know, where it seems like in that arc, like a song like, uh, you know, let's tip the creator might be seem like a side thing. It's definitely like, well, these giant internet corporations are dehumanizing us and re- reducing us in different ways while they just, it's just a rich man's folly for, for them. Mm. And as you're trying to like dig your way out and these things are pushing down on you. And then finally, by the end of the album, you go from this desolation to, you know, the rain garden, which, you know, uh, is a happy ending for a proto martyr record. It's probably as happy as it's going to get. So almost, you have to kind of hold on to it. Almost a love song. It is a love song. Yeah. hundred okay. percent. I, no, I try to no, just given your earlier reticence to even accept one of your bandmates saying, <laughs> let's make a jazz record. Let's, 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 yeah. let's echo something from uh Western films. I don't want to ascribe genre signifiers to you or moods or tones that maybe right. you don't hear or see. So forgive me if I ask open oh, no. open ended questions, but you, you well, because especially since I've always in the past we've never uh, written a love song, and I was and I'm sure in interviews I have said there's far too many of them, and I would only you know I wouldn't want to write a one that doesn't add anything to the canon of great love songs. Mm-hmm. And but I felt like just for me personally that was a way out of my depression during this period. So why not acknowledge it as opposed to just staying on the course of the, the pessimists, which I had been on. And I, you know, I still feel myself as a pessimist a lot, but trying to realize that, yeah, I did have to kind of let some light and into my life to, to get out of, to get out of it, you know? So. I I mean, when I, some of the things I'm picking up on here, like I appreciate, I know you were uh, uh, sort of modestly, uh, or self-effacingly making fun of your use of the word weaving, uh, you know, yeah. weaving of language. <laughs> but with songs like Fulfillment Center and and We Know the Rats, and I, let's focus mm-hmm. on one of them. We Know the Rats, uh, I understand, from what I can gather, uh, you was it your own, your own home was bur- burglarized? Is that correct? Yeah, the uh, house I grew up in, the house I lived my whole life. Uh, was burglarized. And, and when you tell people you live in Detroit, they just assume that you're always dealing with crime and mm. your house is getting broken into all the time. But that was the first time that had ever happened. But it happened and multiple it the, times? Is that correct? Four, four times in the span of two weeks. Two weeks. So and it was a mark. They Okay. Huh. They kept, on, they kept on coming back. And the first time I walked into the house and was like, did one of my brothers come by and leave all the drawers open? This is crazy. And, and then... Why they put a chair in front of the door there? That's not, like, oh, wait, we've been broken into. Huh. They just come in the back window. And so they had just explored the main floor, probably because they're, like, they're worried if somebody's sleeping upstairs, you know, or somebody downstairs. So they, and then I would stay there at night because what happened was my, my fiance moved to Detroit. I got her to move from Arizona to Detroit. I, hmm. I, I won. <laughs> and so we're staying at like an Airbnb, but I'm like, oh, we're going to go over to the house. We'll take a look at it, you know, because there's no way that we could have, we were trying to look for for houses and they're all way too expensive out of, out of our, so that house is going to be our house that we we're going to live in. And so the weeks that she came is when it's, this started happening. And so hmm. that was a, a, a bad introduction. So I'd have to go back and forth between, where we were staying in the house. And so some nights I'd be sitting there with a baseball bat and then nothing would happen. And then the day that I'm not there, it would get broken into again. So somebody was definitely scoping the place out. And so each time they would 
break in, they'd go through more and more stuff. And after a while, they're just going through 60 years of antiques and, and junk, which was kind of interesting because they're dredging up things that I had never seen or, oh. you know, they're pulling like old letters out of the basement. And you're like, oh, this is, you know, by the end, they, there was nothing. Like at one point, that like one of the last times they broke in, got into the house and there's a trombone sitting by the front door. So you can tell they're like, oh, should I steal the trombone? No, I'll just leave it. So they, you know. So, but they did take something. Oh yeah, they took uh, like the first time they like they took my like my laptop, which had a bunch of Proto Mars stuff on it. Ah, shit. Some of mom's jewelry that had been there, you know, some other things. But like by the fourth time, they're just they're probably looking for like old silver coins or something like that, or, or like old you know Jesus. some sort of thing hidden away. You know, Joe, I'm so sorry. You've gone through so much horrible yeah. shit. In the last couple of years. But again, now Joe trying to apply better thinking to it. That house was falling apart and it was full of of junk. Hmm. And it would have taken a big effort to decide to move out of that house or some, a choice that I probably, I was probably holding on to it as almost a museum to the Casey's, you know, with only me as the curator and the only, only guest, you know? So, that forced our hand to clean the house up. Uh, we ended up selling it to a next door neighbor. Hmm. So we kept it. And then the experience kind of reinforces me. I was very you know, upset at the thief, the burglar for robbing me. But then, you know, you contact the cops and they don't come. Yeah. You call them and they say, well, do you have a gun or a security system? And you say no. And then they said, well, that's why they did it. So they basically blame you for the crime. And then uh, they send, they don't even have your address. And then you go get the police report and you see that four different detectives were assigned to the case and they all filled in falsely that, oh yeah, we had checked, checked in and, you know, no, no updates, you know, no. So you just, so immediately you, you go from hating the, the thief to hating the system. And you start thinking like, well, why, why is this guy breaking into my house? And, basically trying to like take you know costume jewelry out things that are not worth that much money and you're like well he obviously needs the money and why does he need the money well because in detroit right now it's impossible to buy a house rents are skyrocketing all the houses are being bought by these corporations that are yeah. you know slap slapping some shitty paint on it and charging triple you know and jobs there's no jobs and you know money is stagnant in, in america and then you start saying well why why did they tell me to get a gun? Like, why are they immediately like, you need to be scared of the thief? Well, it's just the same people that say, you gotta be scared of the immigrants or you gotta be scared of, mm-hmm. and then so immediately my mind is going up to like, well, the real problem is, is much bigger than a guy breaking into my house. So that's what we know the rats is about. It's basically just focusing the energy away from the, Oh, woe is me. And more like, what can I do to take care of that feeling? I guess. For what it's worth, it's a very noble approach to this, and it's exactly what I was trying to get to, is that that weaving you talk about of words and magical meanings or whatever is really present in a song like that one, where you've taken a personal experience, but then tried to dial into the kind of socio political or cultural implications like why is this even happening? Right. Do you feel and and like like I say, you're out like what I'm picking up on here is a, a a guy, you 
Joe, <laughs> okay. who's gone through this <laughs> calamitous thing that all of us have gone through and are trying to reflect some of that experience. But you've also gone through some deeply personal things. Mm-hmm. And in a way, they're all related, like the loss of your family, your mother in particular, this mm-hmm. attack on your house, her house. Yeah. What it means to have to have a clean slate, like to move, to fall in love. Yeah. To get engaged. Like there's a lot of of that stuff is weaving. Again, I I don't mean to keep calling back to that word. It's a good word. (laughs) I think for this record in particular, Uh, right? Yeah. But I'm I'm sincere. Like almost every song I think has some aspect of this. Uh, I hate to invoke the personal as the political, but it seems conscious on because it's again, it's a. I don't even know if that makes any sense in this case, but I kind of think it does. Yeah, uh, it seems to me that each, if I can generalize, you, you do a lot of this throughout this record of connecting threads, again, right. weaving. Is that fair? Yeah, because, I mean, I am no uh, policy expert. I have no correct way to go about changing policy. or And you, I don't like songs that are just, you know, you don't want, like, protest songs are very hard to do. Because you you don't want to uh, come across as hectoring or knowing more than the person listening to you, and so it's important to you need to talk about what's happening in your own life and how you got to this point, and kind of admitting that you don't know what you're doing, or you're, but this is your opinion, and you've gotten to this opinion through these experiences, and you know those are for me the best songs where it you know it, it's a story song or at least there's impressions of a story that gives the song meaning and it's not just empty words or you know i would love just to you know let's eat the rich that'd be great <laughs> but i don't know exactly how you go about eating the rich like how to prepare the rich i don't know the, the process to go to get to eating the rich but they do seem to be a problem and it seems to be a lot of a the man-made problems on earth that we could fix seems to be a lot to do with the people that are in charge. Yeah. Would I would I be any better at it? Probably not. If somebody offered me a large sum of money, I would probably shut up. But no one is going to, so I don't need to worry about that. So We're in a yeah. weird we're in a weird uh zone right now where I think a lot of us are pointing out problems uh in in most of the cases that I can think of. Uh, with the hopes that the pointing to the problems leads to also pointing people to solutions. Yes. There's a lot of problem pointing out now, and then there's the kind of despair at things not changing. And that's really getting, when you talked about the depression uh, that people might have felt, yourself included, like that's yeah. still where I'm at. Uh, like that yes. kind of like, what the fuck? Clearly right. there are some things we could have learned and done differently, but there's just this push to not do that. So right. as as an as a as an observant songwriter, to point these things out and to make them your own stories, at the end of it, and now people are it's you know the record's starting to circulate. What brings you any measure of hope? What gives you any measure of like ah, I got to something there? I'm sure you're, uh, that you're not someone who thinks this could lead to something. Me writing a song for crying out loud, right? But no. I, and I totally appreciate that. But on some measure, you've got me talking about right. some of your ideas. You've got your fans talking about some of these ideas. Is there even a small part of you that thinks by conveying what you convey, someone might think a little bit differently and maybe that'll spread in some way? Do you know where I'm coming from? I don't want to put you in a position where you sound pretentious. Uh, or, well, or, or, or I'll go there myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
where's the spot you want me to stand at the prodigious corner? Uh, no, because it's exact. Okay. I think a lot of people, they despair and I, and I would love to blame the internet, but just the way we receive information about society or what's going on in the world. I think a lot of people feel like they cannot relate to anything. Like if you go on Twitter, the people on the left talk in a very similar way to the people on the right, mm-hmm. except their points are different. And, and uh, boy, here, here goes, here comes the pretension. The discord or the discourse is unrelatable to the average person. They don't know the point scoring and thing. And so you, you're trying to find a third way where you're like, I don't, well, the ma- major problems in America is the populism that the right has kind of taken over where people with honest concerns are given the wrong answers, very populist, you know, why are we so poor? Well, it's the the Chinese, it's this, it's that. Like these people are getting very specific answers from very evil people. And you want to somehow express, you know, you are right to feel concerned about things. The answers are much more difficult. And you need to kind of slowly get people to see that. And it's not as simple as, you know, the thing that's happening now, there must have been a meeting in some back room where the Republicans were like, we really need to go after trans people because nobody quite understands it. Yeah. And that would be a, a perfect thing to, you know, if we get rid of trans people, your life will be better. Or if we just, you know, this is the new thing that's coming to get you. And so. I understand people not understanding, you know, trans rights or issues behind uh, trans people because maybe they haven't experienced uh, somebody in their life or they haven't. It's new to them, but there's a way to explain it to them that doesn't sound like you're a complete idiot for not understanding it. But the people that are the evil people are like, no, you're you're correct in thinking that it's weird and, and evil. And I'm going to, you know, I'll be your voice. So I feel like there's people coming in and taking these people's voices and making them bad. You know, I, I, the, the trans issue is a weird example, but like, there's a lot of that going on. Like we didn't have a moment to, to celebrate getting rid of Trump yeah. because he didn't go away. And there's a lot more guys coming up that are less uh, stupid than Trump and more effective at taking away rights, like taking away abortion rights, taking away workers rights. And, you know, but, but, but don't you think that, with the book bannings, the attacks on universities and colleges, yes. uh, voter yes. disenfranchisement. I feel like yeah. the last, what year is it? It's 2023. So in the last seven years and counting, sorry, and prior to that even, let's go back to some of the Republican architects of misinformation. Yeah. I, I am, if you think about all the stuff that's trying to be erased or further marginalized, I think we're in a weird pivot point from misinformation to complete disinformation, keeping yes. people completely uh, uninformed as much as possible. I made this argument recently uh, with someone, or it was more clumsy, I suppose, but I feel like in an overarching sense, that's the worldwide, that's the conservative movements and oppressive movements main goal uh, is is keeping people disinformed, not even misinformed disinformed right. am i wrong about do you think that's a stronger thing that's happening now I, like i know it's always the, the the two are intertwined 
uh, in, in sort of right. political theater and, and the way people control and mediate information. But this seems like this, again, I can't open up any of these apps without seeing libraries being defunded. Yeah. Books like bookshelves just empty. That's disinformation, isn't it? Does that make sense? Am I using the wrong term? It's to, to dis. No, it's, it's yeah. It's because it used to be let, let's muddy the water yes. and amplify fringe ideas and just so like what is truth and you know yeah I we'll, we'll never know the true answer but now it's less that and less the people that are like banning books are saying they've been telling you a lie about you know everything you know, the, the Civil War was not about slavery it was about you know states rights or the we need to go like they've been teaching you the wrong history. And we need to give you like the new history where, you know, and that seems new. And it's a new, yeah, right? I it agree. is new. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or especially like maybe, maybe it was a fringe thing, but now like, I mean, the, the Republican party is so amazingly fringe now. I, I don't know how they, they get out of it. I mean, I think they have to go all the way they have to eat their own tail because I don't know how they get out of, this kind of thing where they're like, we all agree that uh, slavery wasn't such a bad thing or, you know, or like quit picking on white people. But I mean, that is the, uh, the base that they're trying to maintain and holding on onto. The only, only hope I see is that America is getting less old and white. Of course, they'd say that's the great replacement theory, which was, is a racist concept, but now is being, put into the mainstream. So it's, yeah, it's very bizarre. Yeah. It's, and I, I, I appreciate you pointing out uh, that maybe younger people will help us here. Uh, I keep on seeing charts where they say, Oh, they're, they're, uh, they're more liberal and they're more into like personal freedoms and all that. But I notice whenever they show these charts, the older I get, you know, generation X used to be the generation that was going to, take it to the man. Yeah. And now like we're edging up as the older we get more and more conservative and more and more, you know, it's, I, I worry that that is maybe the ingrained in getting older is that you just, you know, move more that way. You know, I, and why, why leave it up to the younger generation to fix everything? Well, that's always the, you know. but I do think some of these, if I may, I, I will disparage people. Some of the conservative and nefarious, the nefarious conservative dummies usually rip off, ideas from others. And I do think yeah. that we've just gone through a pretty radical uh, situation with things like Twitter and Facebook where uh, heinous people were deplatformed. Uh, and and mm-hmm. some of us were like, fucking good. I'm sick of that fucking yeah. guy. But now what's happening is like, you want to deplatform our people? Guess what? We're deplatforming your books. We're deplatforming yes. your whole media entities and discrediting them. So this spiteful yeah. tennis match that this polarized, well, I, I hate to say polarization because it sounds like an out. I think people are demonstrably more brazen about being really good and decent and really, really awful. And I've never seen this right. in my lifetime. I'm just like, I'm going to be a brazenly terrible person, but gaslight you and tell you I'm not. Uh, (laughs) so I don't have an, I, I, again, I'm trying to keep us focused. Some of this stuff is swimming around (laughs) on your record on some level. I would guess. Yeah. Okay. Then there are sort of weirdly, uh, fun songs, maybe like 3,800, 3,800 tigers (laughs) is not necessarily fun, but, but there's a play. I don't know. You invoke the Detroit. You're where as people can't see it. 
Joe's sporting one of it proudly, a Detroit Tigers hat. Uh, there's some sort That's of baseball right. stuff that floats around this record even. Is that fair? Yeah, especially on that song. Yeah. And that's one where I always like these kind of songs where I have three or four different ideas. And instead of trying to maybe weekly build them up to carry their own song, I'm like, I'll just jam them all together. And maybe the way they bounce off each other will spark something. Hmm. So the band brings this a very heavy rock song. And I'm like, great. Good. Now I have to figure out how to hold on to it. And I had been looking up and seeing how few wild tigers there were in the world. And the number, I think when we first wrote the song, it was 3,600 tigers. And then I saw, oh, there's 200 more somewhere popped up. So that was always kind of like a starting point. We're like, oh, you know, there sure are not very many tigers in the world, but there are a lot of idiots. Yes. And then it was like, well, I'm talking about the tigers. I don't want to do a whole song about how people are fucking idiots. Let me talk about the Tigers. And so the, the Detroit Tigers. So Sweet Lou is a reference to Lou Whitaker, who was the uh, on the 84 Tigers. They won mm-hmm. the World Series. And that came along right when I was uh, the perfect age to fall in love with baseball because the, the team won the World Series. It hasn't been the same since. But, uh, you know, to honor him because he's not in the Hall of Fame. And then I started thinking about, like, what would baseball look like in the future? Yeah. And that's kind of where the, the, the final half comes comes in, or the final third of the song comes in. And also the Eat em Up Tigers was something that a, uh, a person used to hang outside the uh, Tiger Stadium would chant, you know, and to get money. And, uh, you know, everybody loved him, and he was a character. And he died in the hit and run several years ago. And I thought, well, you know, let's try to bring that chant back, Eat em Up Tigers, which... <laughs> Always seemed a little graphic, but also very uh, funny. You yeah. Know? yeah, and so it's it's just a way to, you know, I hope that's the thing. I, even though we started with my mom dying and we moved into the problems of the world, I do feel like every Proto Martyr record has what I think are funny songs on yeah. them, but they kind of get tamped down by the general tone sometimes. But life is not like that. You don't live your life in a constant state of uh, horror. Or you don't, or a sadness that even, you know, there are jokes even on the saddest day, and there's no way to to stop that. So you might as well embrace it. So there are. I try to put funny songs in, in every album. You know, is there another one you want to cite about? Because I picked up on that, it made me sort of smile. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're absolutely correct. A proto martyr song that's that is ostensibly funny, right. uh, probably makes someone like me at least be like. Should I be laughing at this? It's delivered in such a dark tone. Right. <laughs> is it actually a comedy? But then I read the lyrics and listen to it. And I'm like, oh, no, it is. I think, I objectively, I think it's funny. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, at the risk of uh, making myself sound stupid, Joe. Okay. You are one of these writers, whereas I'm listening and then reading the lyrics, I'm like, Okay, I've got to look up that word. I got to look up that person. I got to look up this. I don't understand what that means. I like that. That is not a criticism. Right. I'm like, oh, Joe is just dropping like, uh, where is it even? There's a weird thing here. By the way, I appreciate how make way. Uh, the last lines are make way, make way for tomorrow. Next song for tomorrow. That's what it's called. Right. That is funny. That's yes. a funny idea. That's funny. I like that. Yeah. But then uh, what I want to get to is the opening verse uh, of the song make way. Welcome to the hungry earth, the living afterlife. 
where we chose to forget the years of the Hungry Knife. Now, Hungry Knife here, for those who can't read what I'm reading, is capitalized, Hungry Knife. So I'm mm-hmm. like, what the heck is that? And then I Google it, nothing. I got nothing. I don't know what it means. What is that? Sorry, Joe, I don't mean to do this. No. I'm just saying two things. One, I appreciate how you drop, I guess they're Easter eggs for people like me to be like, what the hell is he talking about? What is that? Is that Greek? What, who is that person? But on the other side of it, more specifically, Let's talk about the hungry knife for just a second. And any other references that are are they like little inside jokes for you almost? Uh it's definitely sometimes the um hungry knife I discapitalized because I wanted to make it sound bigger than it was. And it's basically <laughs> just a way to talk about COVID without saying when COVID came through. Ah. So we're we're the ones that are left. Uh we went through these years of the of, of COVID that came through. It killed a bunch of us. Now we think that's in the past. So we're going to have a party and, you know, we're getting ready to have a party and you can either come along with us or not. You can just get out of the way because life is moving on. Yeah. You know, you, you got to make way for what's coming. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. So you either you put on your smile or <laughs> go hide yourself because this is we're not going to we're going to forget about it. Yeah. Inside jokes. Definitely. My brother, Jim always comes to me with he's usually the one that comes with like oh i've been i found this weird reference you should throw that in a proto-martyr song and he was really into the gardarine pigs gardarine yeah 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 yeah. story in the bible where jesus like throws a demon in a pig and then the pig falls off a cliff and so i'm like okay i'm gonna that was really kind of mean of jesus to do that (laughs) good old jesus like he's kind of showing off there he's like yeah you know how did he do it and so I thought that was kind of a good, you know, where an ostensibly good person does something maybe a little mean to prove a point. So I made sure to, you know, whenever Jim has a phrase that he wants to get in, I try to stick it in. So it's your brother. One, Interesting. It's my brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like he he definitely, like his, uh, on the last album, The Aphorist, like he pretty much wrote the first uh, verse of that song because he uh, had a bunch of ideas. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll write a song for you. The one that's got the most uh, inside jokes and, and things is uh, let's tip the creator because mm-hmm. that's just basically uh, Elon Musk. Uh, Bezos. Zuck- uh, yeah, Bezos type. Mark Zuckerberg is definitely in there. Yeah. Just being fools. And the title comes from we all had a laugh with the band when we watched uh, Mark Zuckerberg's big uh, introduction to the metaverse where he's in the metaverse and they're floating around and they're stupid and they're like oh look street art we should tip the artist and like that's going to be the future where you see art and you're going to tip the art oh okay right and i just thought that was just such a backwards way to look at the the expression of human creativity well let's tip them (laughs) so just and he thought he thought it was an amazing idea let's you can tip artists isn't that great artists you know so to give people listening a sense of where uh, I'm listening to the new Proto-Martyr album, but then want to start Googling things, I'm just going to read the first verse. Okay. Uh, the best I can. I may mispronounce some of these words and names. Talita Kumi had the time of her life, thrashing away to the sound of the lathe of doom. And that's uh, capitalized. capitalized. In the repurposed machine shop, Herdis wrote, flew in from the coast, sampled the wares, drank from the tap, and snaked all your friends in a bid to fit in. That's the first verse. Yes. And I'll tell you, uh, I don't think I'm a dumb person. Mm-hmm. Maybe. 
But I'm like, I got to look up a bunch of these things. And in some cases I did. In some cases I'm like, I might just ask Joe about this. Anyway, that I, I don't even necessarily want you to give away everything here today, Joe. We don't even have the time for that. Right. I just want people to get a sense. If you want to comment on that verse, please do. But I just want people to get a sense of what you're going to encounter. But those who know Joe Casey's writing and Proto-Martyr will know this is not unusual mm-hmm. to encounter ideas in the context of a song or terms that you're like, what, where, what is, well, where did that come from? I appreciate that. It, it exhibits a knowledge uh, of things that I, I, I like to be provoked into like, well, I don't know that. It's mm-hmm. not simple language. So I want to say I appreciate it. Uh, and I appreciate what you're saying about your brother's involvement. Do you, I just, because I invoked it, do you want to say anything about that verse uh, in well, particular? I, I like to say a lot of times people think that like, oh, he, what esoteric references he must, what really influenced me to do, write these kind of lyrics was just being such a fan of the Wu-Tang Clan growing up. Oh. And, and like listening to like a, a Ghostface Killer record and trying to pick up on what the references are. Yeah, that's and, true. Yeah. And uh, with the Wu-Tang Clan, I liked that the references could be uh, a, a kind of a certain kind of food or a reference to a Kung Fu movie or some sort of uh, black Muslim reference, you know, it, it all mashed into a song. Yeah. And so that was an influence where a lot of times people are like, oh, you, you must read a lot of poetry. Not a lot. I, I did study Wu-Tang lyrics for many years. That's a, that's amazing. Like I did the same and I, yeah. I can recite things and not even know what I'm saying at this point in my life. I can't remember what the reference is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. A specific kind of shoes, uh, a specific kind of cut of fish or something will be in like one line of a Ghostface song. And you're like, okay, you know, yeah. it sounds so cool. What is he talking about? But yeah, the, uh, I wanted to make reference to th- that song. is just a lot of um, the first two names, Hurtis wrote and uh, Talitha Kumi. Those are more like old Talitha Kumi is from like the Bible. Yeah. And uh, but I actually first came across it as the title of a episode of X Files, oh. <laughs> so that was like, what what is the because they don't you know they make a reference to it in the episode of X Files and what the hell does that mean? Oh right, you know. And then Hurtis wrote, I was so I'm looking for names, and then but the names as they go on become more direct references to actual people. Yeah. Uh, Ochre Rook, Rookslag, uh, Elon is like derived from the word for oak and rook slag is i think afrikaner for like odorous or smelly or something like that so elon elon musk and then uh sugar mountain zuckerberg that's just you know so it's so i get references from x-files i'm getting references from and the lave of doom i just thought would be those first two people are kind of like when when you live in a place like detroit you'll have people come in from New York or something and they're very rich and they throw their money around and they act like they're really into like, Oh, I, you know, I love how you people just work so hard. For, you know, like they, they come almost uh, uh, to examine us like, yeah. what, you know, and so the lay of doom, I just thought would, if you're going to a former machine shop and seeing some noise show or something, there'd be a band called the lay of doom probably. <laughs> and that was just, yeah. so it's just references from all over, you know, to try to make a overall story. So listen, I really, really, and I'm sure fans listening appreciate you, your candor with this and, and, and revealing what some of these Easter eggs mean. And for what it's worth, and I don't mean to toot my own horn, I feel a little less dumb 
I feel like some of these things I couldn't possibly have known because you made them up. Yes. And that's, <laughs> and that, well, years ago when Relatives and Descent came out, people constantly be like, where, I looked up that story about the horse getting struck by lightning and I can't find references to it anywhere. Like what, when did that happen? And I was like, it didn't. I made it up. <laughs> so you're- that's the that's the fun. You get to make stuff up sometimes. You know, like that's the fun of writing. So yeah. You know, in this yeah. time of uh, again, I don't mean to invoke uh, this time of uh, people learning different things, but I can't remember mm-hmm. if we've talked about this before, Joe. Have you considered like uh, narrative writing? I feel like we did. Maybe, uh, maybe yeah. I did ask about this. Have you considered that as a potential outlet beyond songwriting? Um, I have, the thing is I'm very lazy. That's mm. always a problem. And I do know writer, like writer friends that get up early and they write for a couple of, like they have a schedule. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't know if I could keep to it. The other thing is I've recently started writing a article in the new cream magazine that's out. Oh, like I have, I have like a, a, a column in each issue. Oh, I didn't and know that. That's great. Yeah. And then writing that, I'm just like, God, I'm really bad at writing sentences. I'm really bad at like connecting thoughts and, uh, you know, like here's a paragraph here's you know, I, I get very often to tangents and things. So hmm. maybe if I do that enough and I start getting the muscles back to remember how to, to write things, uh, maybe someday, especially, you know, going through COVID and all that and having the band taken away from me, you realize that at some point this is all the fun is going to stop and I'll have to, uh, either go back into the workforce at a very advanced age or, yeah. or, or come up with something. So yeah, maybe writing's my only way out. Well, so. I just, I didn't mean to make it uh, a solemn uh, suggestion, no, well, I, I do, I, me. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think uh, you clearly have uh, the eye and ear of a narrative uh, writer. And, and well, that comes you. through in, in your songs, which I always appreciate and, uh, and mystified by. So I also want to say thank you for making time for me virtually every time Proto Martyr puts out a record so that I can ask yeah. you these questions. I, it means a lot. I just want to say that. Oh, no. And I, it's, I, it's always, uh, I always look forward to because I'm like, oh, you know, we got to, we got to check in and see how, how's, how, and you're still in Alberta now. Yeah, I'm right? in Edmonton still? with the rats. Edmonton. But there's no right, rats, apparently. Right. right. You told me there was. Right. We had a break. Right, and, I, and I had forgotten that I had learned that story from an episode of Joe Para. Yeah. <laughs> like, so there, there you go. Yeah. That's a little callback to a previous episode where I thought, I thought Joe Casey was uh, yeah. trying to clown me. And I uh, realized uh, subsequent to that, Joe, Joe Para yeah. himself was on this show. Cleared it, cleared it up. I, I, I tried to, to that episode. I tried to clear yeah. it up with him. And I think I invoked you, as I recall, maybe even being like, this guy told me this thing. I can't remember. I don't remember. what. I, everything's a blur. Anyway, my point is, this record's fantastic, uh, and I feel like Thank we've you. we've given people a lot so I uh, yeah. about it, and I, I hope you feel uh, like you've conveyed some things. I appreciate your time. Uh, if people want to so learn more about Proto Martyr and this record, uh, is there a place or places that you'd want to direct them to using their computers and telephones? Um, yeah, there's always protomartyrband.com. That's our website, and from there there's uh, – links yeah that way you can avoid having to go on one of these facebook's or these instagrams or these twitters but we got all that shit too yeah but yeah uh, the, the our website is probably uh, a good portal to get you into the wherever you want to go nice and future plans at this point have you begun writing more material or anything like that yet no uh we are just going to be doing a lot of touring and uh 
Again, uh, we uh, speaking of like moving out of houses, we have bad luck with uh, practice spaces. Each practice space only lasts one one uh, album, oh, and no. so we got hmm. we were in a weed growing warehouse was our last practice space, hmm. and then that got sold, and so we're currently all the gears down in my basement, and I don't know if that's a good place to write music, but who knows? We'll see. Yeah. I would think given, well, sorry, you're in a different area too. So like people hearing music being played aren't going to be like, oh, that's a place we can rip off. Yeah. I'm in, yeah. Well, I'm in a new neighborhood. I don't want to upset the neighbors. Yes. I just moved in. So we'll see. <laughs> okay. Okay. So mm-hmm. practicing is, this is a reality too for lots of bands. Yeah. Uh, oh, like yeah. where do we actually get together? So, okay. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that touring. Uh, you mentioned the website. If we can go out in a song uh, from this album, I wonder if you can uh, choose one from, uh, from the record and, and uh, let us know why it came to mind. Um, I am going to pick, if I, if I can pick any one, I think I'd pick the author. Oh. Uh, if if that one could be played. Uh, yeah. I, I, the, right now, that's my personal favorite. And um, yeah, any, I picked that one. Any particular reason why the author came? Is it because I suggested you should become an author? No, no. Well, there's two songs in the album, um, Graf vs. Host and The Author, that are both specifically about my mom. Yes, that's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Graf vs. Host is, you know, about right when she died. And the author is kind of a more upbeat about it. And yeah. She is the author. She is the author. Yes. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's very poignant. Okay, well, um, I appreciate that. And I want to play it for people right now from the excellent new Proto Martyr album, Formal Growth in the Desert. This is the author, Joe Casey. It's always a, a tremendous uh, pleasure, and I, if I dare say, an honor to have you on the show uh, as often as you come by. I, I hope uh, you enjoyed this, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Talk to you again soon.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Always a pleasure, always, always a pleasure to speak with Joe Casey from Proto Martyr. This time on the 778th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't locate an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it and you don't know where it is, you've looked everywhere. Where is it? Or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control currently on the Facebook or follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me directly on Instagram and on Twitter at Vishkana. I want to get that blue sky thing. Hey, if you're listening and can invite me to the other thing, that the wait a minute, the, the new thing is still owned by the guy who started Twitter, and he's like a Bitcoin guy. I don't even know what's going on. What are we doing? Anyway, I'm on Twitter and Instagram for now, but yeah, everyone's talking about this blue sky thing, and I want to check it out. Got an invite? Send it to Vish. Or don't. I don't care. Whatever. It's, uh, I'm getting too old for this stuff. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation to this donor-driven podcast. $6 American or more grants you access to exclusive content. You get the episodes earlier than everybody else. You get, uh, if you want, you can get a creative control t-shirt. I have some left in various sizes. Just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. I got the red or the maroon, burgundy. What's the difference? And then the yellow? I think that's that's what that color is. Just let me know on Patreon and I'll get you what, I, what you want to, if I can. And again, I really appreciate all the uh, people who contribute to the Patreon. This is ostensibly a dinner, uh, donor or dinner-driven podcast. I got to make dinner for my family and I need to wrap this up. I think that's why that was on my brain. It means a lot. So if you can, please donate to patreon.com slash creative control. I appreciate it. Have a nice dinner. Thanks again to the wonderful Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and order things from their website there, blackbird.ca. also want to thank Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music he makes on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Joe Casey, who has returned to the show for, I think, the fourth time to talk about Proto Martyr. What a thrill. I love talking to Joe. He's so smart. I love his band. This was fun. So if you like uh, this and want to subscribe to Creative Control uh, or follow the show and tell your friends about the show and uh, listen to Proto Martyr, I mean, these things are all not connected. All I wanted to say is thank you. I'm a little loopy. I better go. Talk to you soon. Bye for now.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.